From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two. Uh, today we're going to be doing uh, episode seven of season two, What's Wrong With Revenue. Technology is a must-have for every revenue generation system, and we're going to talk a little uh, talk a little tech talk today. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Mike. Good. How's Florida? Sunny and beautiful. Come on down. Good. Good. I'm on my way. Uh, a little housekeeping for all you guys who love the show. You can check us out on YouTube. The Square Two Marketing Channel hosts all the uh, What's Wrong With Revenue episodes. You can like us, you can subscribe to the show on YouTube, and you can leave us comments. We've been getting a little more comments, so thank you to everybody who's leaving us comments. I monitor them and reply to all of them. Feel free to drop one in there, and I will get back to you expeditiously. The show is also available on the Square Two Marketing website on our free streaming service, Square Two Plus. Square2marketing.com backslash Square2PLUS. All of our audio and video content is housed there. There's a channel for CROs, CR, CRO, CMO, CEOs. Each of our podcasts have their own channels. There's a technology channel for HubSpot stuff. Go check it out. You can subscribe to Square2 Plus, and we will let you know when new uh, content is posted. If you're really into the show, we have a What's Wrong With Revenue page two in the footer of our website. Check it out. Click on it. You can post questions. You can subscribe to the show. We will email you uh, episodes when they are dropped on Thursday mornings, and we'll even let you know what uh, some of our upcoming topics look like if you subscribe to the show. If you're into audio uh, content, check us out on all your favorite audio platforms, all of your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Apple, Stitcher, Podbeam, and such. Thanks very much for being a fan of the show. So today, like we talked about, if you're looking for month-over-month revenue growth, you are going to need to juggle a chainsaw, a bowling ball, and a feather, eat a tuna sandwich at the same time. There is just so much going on that you're going to need help. It's just too hard to do it on your own. And that means personalizing your campaigns, like we talked about last show, ongoing optimization, review of data, automation, analytics, scoring your leads, the list goes on and on and on and you're gonna need help. You need some type of technology platform tool and database to support your entire revenue generation effort. So what Eric and I are gonna talk about today is what does the technology look like when it comes to marketing and why point solutions no longer fit the bill. We're gonna look at your CRM and your sales technology and why that might be the most important technology in your entire company. We're gonna talk about your website and potentially why WordPress is no longer a good option for it. We're also going to look at customer service technology a little bit and identify some revenue opportunities and ways to systematize your customer service go-to-market uh, with technology. And last but not least, I would be neglectful if we didn't spend a little time talking about data 
and how every single thing you're going to do as part of your revenue generation system should be data driven. And the data in your business really needs to be considered one of your most important corporate assets. So we got a lot to cover today. Eric, I love giving you the uh, stage to give us a little bit of a kickoff on this particular topic. So where should we go in terms of revenue generation systems and technology? Well, you know how when they're doing a crime show, Mike, they always say, follow the money. I think that's where we should start. A lot of people are like, HubSpot, they quoted me like $1,200 a month. Okay, well, $1,200 a month is $14,000 a year. But they're quick to hire a salesperson for $150,000 a year. And emerging entrepreneurial and mid-market companies do not have an unlimited budget when it comes to sales and marketing. The challenge is not to throw people at the problem. It's to use technology to scale and automate a lot of things so that you don't have to hire a lot of people. And that's one of the things I see most. I mean, you've been in several sales meetings when they're like, well, why should I hire you guys? I'll just get a couple more salespeople. And that might work for some companies. But I'd rather be the one that's leveraging technology to drive a couple of points extra to the bottom line because I don't have all those uh, 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 people that are waiting down my payroll. So we'll start with the money, right? And I don't care what size company you are. You can afford a thousand bucks a month to prevent a... Um, investment of $10,000 a month for a salesperson that you can't corral and have tell the right story and use the tools anyway. So let's start there. Secondly, there's a big challenge with making sure that the experience that people have with your company is consistent. Back to our traditional salesperson conversation, if someone has, let's say, 10 salespeople, and I take each of those salespeople, and I put them in a separate room, and I say, hey, what does your company do? Chances are I'm going to get 10 different stories. And that's okay, but when there's inconsistencies in the story, that's friction. And when people have friction uh, in the sales process, they tap the brakes, and that slows everything down. If I was using technology to tell the story exactly the way I want it, to create an experience exactly the way I want it, and with the thought in mind, how can I get someone from the first time they hear about my company to the signing of the agreement as quickly as possible, then technology is the tool that's going to help me do that. I could set everything up the way I want it. I could tell the story the way I want it. I could alert people at certain times in the sales process, jump in here, jump in there, send this now, and everything can be... Um, replicable and scalable. And that's another part about making sure that things are consistent because technology helps us do that. I could go on and on, but I thought that those were two big points to start our conversation today, Mike. Those are good places to start. And, uh, you know, I think the efficiency conversation goes into marketing too, right? Like you may be able to do more marketing with one person and your, you know, to use your example, your $12,000 investment in HubSpot, than you would be able to do with two people in marketing today. So, you know, instead of paying, you know, two marketing people these days, it's going to cost you $70,000, $80,000 a person. You know, if you have one person and, and an investment in technology, I'm going to argue you're probably going to get more done uh, with the one person plus technology. So, you know, that your, your story around sales is also relevant. And it's interesting, your comment about um, companies talking to us about hiring more reps, like, Honestly, lately, I've heard more people saying, I, I want to do the same amount of revenue with less reps, or I want to do more revenue with the same amount of reps. So I think the tide has turned a little bit there, at least in terms of the business um, outcomes they're looking for. 
And again, the technology piece is, is the answer to that. Now, I'm going to tell you something that most software companies don't tell you, and that technology alone rarely solves your issues. So, you know, you may be talking to a vendor and they're like, yeah, buy, buy, buy this package and you'll get more leads. I, I'm going to advise you that, that that in and of itself probably won't work. And that's with most software packages, whether we're talking about an ERP tool or a financial, like if you have poor spending habits, it doesn't matter what you're using to manage your business financially. If you don't have good checks and balances in place, you know, if, if you're not getting good guidance and, and, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're using QuickBooks or NetSuite or, or whatever. So the same thing's going to apply here. You have to have good systems and practices in place to, to make the technology pay off. But it's just literally impossible to do everything you should be doing without some kind of supporting tool in all three of these revenue generation areas, the marketing uh, part of your business, the sales part of your business, and the customer service part of your business. And and um, to go into our first uh, uh, point that we want to cover today, a lot of the companies we talk to have some marketing technology. Like they might have something for email, they might have something for social, they might have someone producing some content for them. Um, they might have something for landing pages. They might have Google Analytics. You know, so they have kind of like this list. These are actually referred to as point solutions, something that does one thing as opposed to something that does everything. But um, they really need to start considering potentially graduating from those point solutions and starting to look at something that's a little more integrated. Maybe you could talk, Eric, a little bit about why having one platform that does a bunch of things is a little more beneficial than having three or four things that, that each cover their own little area. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's a spectrum, right? So some people have no technology, some people have a couple of disparate technologies and other people have an end-to-end -end solution. So you know, where you are on the spectrum is, is up to you and your journey. The advantage, though, of an all-in-one solution is that the integration creates two things. One, efficiencies, right? We like efficiencies. We talked about saving money and being more quick to market and, you know, uh, better at what we do. But the other part is the data. And having an integrated solution gives you insight into some of the most nuanced things that might be million-dollar uh, uh, um um, uh, opportunities that you couldn't see if you had a, all these software all over the place, right? Uh, yeah, we got Salesforce for our CRM. We use Constant Contact for our email. Uh, we use Google Analytics for our data analysis. And uh, we have this other platform that's specific to our industry that can't talk to any of the other ones, right? Okay, that's pretty typical. The time that it would take to suck out the data for each one of those things, put it together, and then analyze it not one company I ever met has a person or the uh, resources to do that. But using a tool like HubSpot, and you know HubSpot's our favorite, if set up correctly and the forethought was giving to what are the key metrics that I need to see to make sure that I'm going up and to the right every single month, then you're just pushing out those dashboards, even setting alerts on things that are too low or too high or a little bit out of whack so that you have a quick couple of minutes each day or week, whatever you do, to just check to make sure that everything's working well. And Mike, you're the perfect person to talk about that. You are obsessed with our HubSpot reports and the little nuggets that you're picking up each day enable you to tell our team, let's lean into this right now. Let's focus on that right now because nobody who's listening to this 
um, uh, episode has an unlimited marketing budget, right? So if we all have limited marketing budgets, then as leaders of our company, we can have our team focus on the areas that'll give us the biggest bang for the buck. Um, we were just having a conversation about a landing page that was not doing uh, 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 as we expected. And it caused us to stop in our weekly revenue team meeting and say, well, what can we do to fix that? Let's uh, change the name of the offer. Let's put it in a different location. And let's make the button red instead of just black of what it is now. Even though those are two simple things, if we could get an extra point or two conversion on that, that could literally be tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue from that landing page. But we would never know that unless we had this end-to-end -end solution that we set up to feed us the information we need to make better decisions as leaders. Yeah, there's so many good nuggets in that. Um, one of the most interesting things is a feature that HubSpot rolled out at Inbound that literally, and I, I've started playing around with it for us. It's an enterprise level feature, so you have to be on enterprise to, to use it, but it's the customer buyer journey analytics dashboard. So now you can literally see from the very first time they visited your website to the time they became a client, exactly how many people are flowing through that process. Now, it's a little tricky to get it set up right. And it's a little bit, I guess I would consider it kind of public beta um, in terms of HubSpot, you know, getting this right. But ultimately, you're going to get some really interesting um, kind of full cycle data on how your prospects are interacting with your business from a marketing and sales perspective. You'll literally, you, you will literally see you know, how many people are coming to the site, how many are converting into contacts, how many are turning into marketing qualified leads, how many are ending up with the sales team and all the way through to close. Uh, it's really interesting. Very, very visually, you get to see where people are getting stuck in your, we call it the revenue cycle. Most people refer to it as their funnel, but you can, you can really see where the bulge in the funnel is uh, and then start to do something about it. The other point you made, which is also interesting, is that optimization conversation you, you, you model for everybody. It's one of the things we see missing very frequently when we talk to clients and prospects about their marketing. Like they've kind of set it up, they've launched it, they feel like it's good to go, it's running, and they're not really, you know, other than looking at the numbers, they're not really doing anything to make it perform better because they don't really have the, the methodology to look at the data and respond with an action plan accordingly. Um, and that is a big part of the revenue ge generation system that we teach our clients is how to constantly be using the data to make decisions and drive action plans to even make small changes. You know, your again, your your example, if you made a change like that every single week to a variety of pages, just think about the impact that would have on results. So, you know, I, I, I uh, venture to say, how could you not? see improvement if you work like that. Like it's almost impossible to not see improvement. And I'm not in any way suggesting that every single thing you do is gonna be a home run. There are gonna be plenty of misses in there, but you know, if you batted 50%, you'd have 26 things that you did that improved your ability to generate leads as opposed to uh, a small handful if you're not working like that. So um, the, 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 the concept of a data platform too, and the, con the, the, the concept of a, single platform for everything related to revenue generation unlocks a lot of opportunities from a data perspective. If you're only using the HubSpot for marketing, and that works for some people, you're only going to get half of that customer buyer journey data, right? If you're not using it for sales, you're not going to see the back end of it. 
If you're only using it for sales and not marketing, you're not going to see the front end of it. If you're not using it for customer service, you're not going to get any indication of how the customer service reps are, are working with the clients and the customers to help them have a great experience. It'll be very difficult to piece together this experience that you're trying to build, which today really does become what separates you from your competition. It's not about your products or services anymore. It's not about you know the size of your factory or really anything you're doing from a delivery perspective. It really comes down to who's creating the best experience for your prospects. That is who they're going to choose. And without a platform like this, it becomes very difficult to architect that, that experience and then measure it and, and optimize it. Exactly. I mean, the optimization is huge. Why even get involved in sales and marketing if you don't want to grow your company, right? Right. 100%. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about CRM and sales technology because I almost feel like the marketing piece of it is a little more, people are a little more aware around the marketing piece. Like they know about sending emails and they know about their website and they know about landing pages generally. Like there's a little more awareness, I think, around the marketing piece of it. Uh, on the CRM side of it, I still think a lot of people feel like it's kind of like just this system for tracking what sales reps do and and that and don't really understand the power of, of a CRM. And you did talk a little bit about how it makes the process repeatable, but it also makes the process just as as optimizable as the marketing process, right? Once you start to get data on how you're sales process is performing. And when you know every sales rep is using it the same exact way, you immediately get to see what parts of the sales process are working and what parts aren't. Like, Eric, maybe you could tell a little bit of the story where we uncovered that like the process was going smoothly up until the very end. And the close rate was really below where we thought it should be. And what some of the action items that spun off of getting that data was. And I, I'll also challenge everyone listening or watching we ask people this all the time. What's your close rate? Eric, how many people do you feel really like honestly know their actual close rate? A lot of people kind of guess and tell us what they think it is, but I would argue hardly any of them really have a their finger on the data of what the actual close rate is on all their you know pr uh, proposals that they've submitted. Yeah, I mean, 5% or less. And it's so weird because people come to an agency like Square Two and they're like, we need more leads. But literally, if you would take your close rate from 10% to 30%, you would have a substantial increase in revenue without getting any more leads. So it's like an important factor here. Uh, even though it's the end of the buyer's journey, it's the big part of it. Yeah, don't, so, don't, don't underestimate that, right? Going from 10% close rate to 30% close rate would triple your revenue. The, the, exactly. So it's right. like, do you want more revenue or do you want more right. lead? Oh yeah, I want right. more revenue. Okay, right. well, let's look at the entire buyer's journey. And we look at the entire buyer's journey using the technology that provides all that data. So that's definitely one of the biggest things. Uh, to answer your earlier question, there was two components to that uh, CRM or the sales uh, uh, journey uh, analysis. The first one is, is that when you're using a CRM like HubSpot, you can track lots of different facets of your sales process. So one of the facets is how many days does it take to close a deal? Pretty big number, right? Because if you could take that from 60 to 30, you've uh, 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 increased your cycle of closing new deals by 100%. Okay, so that's number one. So when we were analyzing that, we saw that 
um, the days were, were uh, uh, egregiously long between when we sent the uh, when we had the recommendations to the client and then when it closed. And then that was an issue in our weekly revenue team meeting, which we IDS about. And we said, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? And we said, you know, at this point, pretty much everybody asked to talk to some of our references. We were like, ah, okay, well, what could we do to clear that obstacle from our sales process? So we got together as a team and we recorded about, what is it, Mike, eight or nine of our clients on a reference reel, a couple yeah. of seconds each one, square two's the best, love you guys, I wouldn't do it, you grew my business, right? And all of a sudden, we started to create a template, or sorry, we started to use a template that we created in the CRM that right after we pitched them, we said, send this video to our sales folks. They sent the video. Nobody ever asked for references again, and they moved on to the next stage. So that's number one. So days of close of time is one metric that you can only get if you're tracking this through a CRM. The second thing was our close rate was pretty decent, but it could always be higher. So we said, okay, well, at, at this point, what can we do to provide the client with the content they need to feel comfortable to sign their name on the dotted line. And the marketing team worked with the sales team in the revenue team meeting. And we said, well, what if we put a couple of these validation things in there, right? Because they're at the end, they just want to feel comfortable. What if we created some of those pieces of content? Worked collaboratively with the sales and marketing team, created the content, and now use that in that part of the process to get that close rate up. Because if I'm getting a key piece of information that's knocking out the competition, I win the deal, my close rate goes up. Those conversations would never have happened unless you have a CRM, because basically if you don't, you're blind. And if you're blind, you can't make any uh, decisions or improvements, so you're just accepting whatever comes that way. Well, we're not the kind of folks that just accept whatever comes our way. We wanna lean into things to make them better, more efficient, more profitable, whatever it wants to be. So having a CRM is so critical. Now, a lot of times you get pushback on things like, uh, my salespeople won't use it. Hey, that's a cultural thing that you have to work out yourself. But if you have anywhere from two to 200 salespeople, wouldn't it be great if you could say step one, step two, step three, every time you hire someone, they're doing the same thing. It's a uniform experience. The training becomes easier. The hiring becomes easier everything kind of like works in uh in in unison when you have this and then like i can't even tell you how many times oh my salespeople won't use it that, that's your fault as the leader of your company so when it comes down to the crm there's just a couple other things i'd like to add like it has this amazing amount of tools the tools in the CRM could be things like a sales sequence. Well, a sales sequence is a workflow, just like if someone downloaded a white paper and then you followed up with some automated emails, you could trigger a sales sequence to come out of your CRM for prospects that you're working with. So example, let's say you wanted to send them three emails in, during the five days right after the initial meeting, full of content and did you know and have you considered and stuff like that. Well, that comes out of the CRM, not out of the marketing tool. So you need a CRM to like get tools like that. And earlier, Mike, you mentioned lead scoring, which I think is invaluable for today's digital marketing. If someone's snooping around at your website and sitting in on your webinar and maybe uh, downloads a white paper, 
Those are the people that your salespeople should be introducing themselves to. Well, if you don't have lead scoring, right, uh, for every activity a prospect does, they get a certain amount of points. And when they reach a certain threshold, it sends a notification to your sales team to reach out with a phone call or an email to introduce themselves and says, hey, saw you snooping around my website, thought you might be interested in having a conversation. Let's just say they got one extra opportunity a week from that. There's 52 opportunities a year at a 30% close rate. That would be somewhere along the lines of 15 new clients for simply implementing a module in your HubSpot CRM. And I'm, I know I'm railing here a little bit, but I really think that everybody should really open their eyes to the power of having technology as part of their marketing program and then use it. Don't just buy it and use a couple little things. Use it all so that you can really knock the competition out and grow your business. Yeah, there are. I mean, I think this is a valuable conversation just to provide some practical applications of technology, because I do think a lot of these tools get kind of wrapped up in like a bunch of generalizations, like, you know, to, to add a couple more for, for people's own edification, like you can, you can set HubSpot up to alert you when your prospects on your website. So how cool is it to know that this deal I've been working on, you know, two or three people from that company are now on my website checking out certain pages. And I can literally see what pages they're on. And I could literally email them or pick up the phone and call them and be like, hey, Eric, I saw you were checking out the, our pricing page on the website. Is there anything I can help you with? Great is that in terms of standing out from your competition? How helpful is that? But yeah, you're right. I did have a question. I thought I would like find that myself, but you know, I'm having a little trouble. So let me just ask you, thank you so much for calling. Um, so uh, differentiating when you're talking about the sales process and the sales experience. The other thing that I think is also really cool about CRMs when they're set up properly is we've all been on the phone with a salesperson and they're like, all right, Eric, thanks for calling. What can I help you with? And Eric, unfortunately, has to start at the very beginning of his journey and catch the sales rep up completely so they understand what he's looking for so they can help him. As opposed to the rep that gets on Eric, I've seen that you've looked at this and you've looked at that and you've been back here two or three times over the past couple of weeks. And I noticed you downloaded this information about websites. You know, is, is a website something you're thinking about at your company? Like it's a whole nother flavor to the conversation. It's so much more collaborative and productive than, hey, tell me what's going on. You know, what can I do for you? Like starting, even the question just to me drains me of my energy. Oh God, I have to start all over again with this guy. Like, come on, like, as opposed to him saying to me, like, yeah, I know you're interested in this. Yeah, I am. Here's what's going on. You know, what what, what can we, how can you help me? Uh, two simple, simple applications of some of this CRM technology can really elevate your sales process. Not getting into, you know, recording phone calls and listening to the reps in terms of exactly how they're talking to prospects and exactly what questions they're asking and exactly the experience they're giving, which is a tremendous training opportunity uh, for, for you to literally not monitor what they're doing, but help them be more effective and make sure they're telling your story correctly. So, I mean, we could probably do a whole show on this, the tools in the HubSpot sales pro and CRM product, but just to you know, kind of point you in the right direction, these are all invaluable tools that you need to elevate your sales process in 2023. So, Mike, let's shift gears slightly and just talk about another form of technology that's needed in a revenue generation system. And that's the system or the, the software that runs the weekly revenue team meetings that kind of gathers everything together. 
even though a HubSpot, Marketo, you know, uh, Pardot, all of those are critical from a marketing automation platform, you can't have a revenue generation system unless you're keeping track of the work you're doing each week. And I would highly recommend for our listeners to check out two specific pieces of software that really make those weekly revenue team meetings sing. One is called 90.io, and the other one is the brand new software from EOS called EOS One. And both of them are super affordable. I think they're approximately 10 bucks per user per month. And if your revenue team has 10 people on it, you know, you're talking about a hundred bucks a month kind of thing, but it's really invaluable for bringing everybody together, capturing the to-dos, capturing the issues, capturing the quarterly rocks, the annual goals, the scorecard that you're using. So that for that 90 minute meeting once a week that we talked about in episode number one of season two, you have a, a bit of technology backbone that can really help you, um, um, get things done. Now, I personally find that this piece of software is great because not only is it running the meeting for you, but it's capturing everything that everybody agreed to do and shooting it out to them. So over the next week, you can accomplish it. Once again, if you have 10 people on your revenue team and everybody does two little tasks to improve your marketing each week, that's 20 tasks per week times 52 uh, weeks. You're talking about 1,000 improvements over the course of the year. And the software, like I said, is 10 bucks a person per month. So those are like other ways you can apply technology to really make sure that you're having an efficient meeting. The follow-up is there. You have containers to put things in so that everybody knows we're going to talk about this issue on Tuesday at our meeting. And that would be the second category of technology I think is essential in a revenue generation program. That's a really good point. Like we said at the very outset of the show, there's so many moving parts when it comes to this. And now you're talking about three different departments coming together and trying to work together. I think it would be very um, arduous to try to manage that without some kind of software. And 90.0 specifically, which is what we use at Square2 and what we recommend to our RGS clients, that is a very good way to A, learn the methodology, but B, have, have a tool that's helping you capture everything and organize everything and keep everybody on the same page. So big, big uh, very, very good piece of your tech stack that you should consider. Yeah. Uh, and, let's and talk too expensive. I mean, I, I, you know, people, Oh, you should tens of thousands. No, no, just spend 10 bucks a person a month and you can have another, another piece of software. I mean, that's what we're yeah, talking. I about also here. think that would pay off in spades in terms of efficiency. Also, I mean, for a hundred well, hours a month to have everybody on the same page seems like a no brainer to me too. And, and I think that it's like a cultural thing too, for your revenue team, like everybody's coordinated, everybody's agreed. It's all captured in writing. There's no like, Oh, I forgot to follow up from last week's meeting. It's all there. Everybody has their own mini dashboard of stuff that they said, that they need to do. I, I think our team really likes the so using the software mm -hmm. and it's a no-brainer for us to invest in it. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, let's talk about the website too because lots of times when we talk to clients, uh, we hear things like, well, our web, you know, we like HubSpot. We're using it for marketing and sales, but the website's on WordPress and we want to keep it on WordPress. Um, of course, the back end of season one, Kevin Wheatcraft, who's our director of web services, was a guest of mine and we talked a lot about um, how maybe that that WordPress site, which seems free on the surface, is actually not free when you're done kind of upgrading the widgets and the apps and the plugins so that it's secure and, and e easy to use. Um, but I really think you should be considering um, having the, uh, the website on the same platform as your marketing and sales is on. Again, like if you're bouncing around from product to product, it's inefficient. The data is not connected. Uh, when, when we look at client uh, efforts and they don't have their uh, uh, website on HubSpot, 
it's just hard to, to uh, take that website data and connect it to the marketing data. And there are definitely insights, which again, are the nuggets you're trying to uncover in the data. There are insights missed through that exercise. You're also talking about Google Analytics coming into play here, which I'm more of a fan of uh, HubSpot's reporting and dashboard uh, toolkit than I am Google Analytics. So it, you know, it just makes it extra challenging to uh, be able to get the full picture. And, and you need the full picture in order to make adjustments to drive visitors and leads and sales opportunities. So you know, if you're interested in more on this, you can go back and find that episode in season one. I think it was towards the end, 56 or maybe it was in the early 50s. Um, you can find it on uh, YouTube for sure. Uh, we really went into that in detail. And I think it's time to really consider having everything on a single platform. Again, I really, we like HubSpot, but we don't care what you use, but that single platform gives you uh, opportunity to unlock insights that will really improve performance of your program. Now, if we're going to just wrap up this uh, full revenue cycle piece of the pie here, then we got to talk about customer service technology too. And specifically, um, using the customer service technology to drive revenue, right? So taking care of clients is one piece of it, not really the area that Eric and I uh, expressed to have any expertise in, but there is an opportunity to drive revenue with current customers that is almost always uh, ignored uh, or overlooked, I should say. And you can use the customer service platform, the customer service piece of your revenue generation technology uh, stack to more in a more orchestrated way connect with customers understand their needs and share information with them so that they buy more when you look at the data around share of wallet or or how many customers actually know every single thing you do it's always so shockingly low to me when they survey their customers and they say are you aware that we do a b and c it's in like the 20 percent so they know what they're buying from you and they know what you're doing for them but they're almost ways painfully unaware of some of the other things that they could potentially be getting from your company. And I think that is something that is consistent across companies and across verticals. You have to start doing a better job uh, communicating with your current customers who are already like you. They picked you, they're with you, they're paying you. I'm, I'm assuming you're doing a good job or they would uh, uh, vote with their wallet. Um, so you're doing a good job. There's a tremendous opportunity there to offer them additional products and services. And you really have to lean into that in, a, in an organized way, the same way you do with marketing and sales. What are the customer service reps saying? How are they telling these stories? How are they reaching, reaching out to customers? What kind of ongoing marketing is driven to customers versus prospects? How are you mining the data in your CRM, the customer data in your CRM to segment those customers and present interesting options to them? We've actually had quite a few conversations lately with uh, companies that have relatively large customer bases and they're not doing anything to encourage customers who bought certain products to buy relevant add-on products. Um, and I'll give you two examples of this. We have a, a, a John Deere distributor that we work with and uh, people go in and they buy tractors and lawnmowers and things like that. And we encouraged him to run a customer-focused campaign that said, you bought a lawnmower six months ago, or I forget what the time was, might've been a month ago. You know, you might be interested in a ride along, um, um, what do you call it? 
and not wheelbarrow, but like what's that thing that you put the leaves in that you drag behind you? Mike, this is a wonderful example of how you should stay out of the garden. <laughs> this is a wonderful example of how I hire people to do these kinds of things for me, as opposed <laughs> to driving a John Deere tractor on my lawn. Um, but you know, every product has add-on products. We were encouraging them to run an email campaign that aligned their product purchase with other things that they could buy. And then concurrently to that, we also wanted to align service reminders. You bought your tractor a month ago, it's time to uh, get it serviced, right? And this particular dealer actually had a wonderful opportunity to go out to them and pick it up and bring it back as opposed to the customer having to put it on their trailer and, and, and bring it in for service. So let's promote something remarkable about the business while we're trying to generate additional service revenue for the for the distributor. It worked so well. We've been running similar kinds of campaigns for other clients too. You bought this. Here's a string of things that we can offer you over a period of time that add on to what you bought, giving them a wonderful service experience and also reminding them that there's other things they can do with that particular product. So I think that's something to think about too, and having a customer service technology platform that shows you that information and allows you to execute campaigns like that are really going to be key. Yeah, I mean, quick comment. A lot of people in the sales process with Square 2 come to us and say, we need more leads. And then the question is, well, do you need more leads or do you need more revenue like we spoke about earlier today? And then they're like, well, do you need revenue from new customers or do you need revenue in general? Because it's so much easier to sell something to someone who's already bought something and likes your company. And that's why having technology that automates that follow-up and cross-selling and education and upselling is absolutely critical. I mean, so many people just don't give the love to their database of existing customers to squeeze extra revenue out of that. They just want to do it the hard way and attract new customers and take them through the sales process. So, you know, you're right. If you had a way to like say, here's the experience you're going to have for the next year, once you become a client, how could you not generate some extra revenue out of that? You're just helping them on whatever their needs are for your specific product or service. Yeah, and I'll I'll take it one step further. We you know we've talked in past shows about this concept of community. You know when people buy things today, they're not just looking to scratch an itch. They're looking to be part of something, and they they want to be part of a community. Like you, you see this frequently with brands. Like Eric, I used to joke with you about like you only wore Nike products, right? Do you, is that mm -hmm. still your your brand? Uh, no, uh, Nike does not have a presence in the pickle mall market. So I've had to uh, cheat on them with some other brands. But okay, so you, prior to you that, I was, brand? I'm sorry. Do you have a pickleball brand you're loyal oh, to? Yeah, I am a Gamma pickleball fanatic. And I remember okay. I told you the story how the president of Gamma was in one of our speaking engagements. And when I learned that he was the president of Gamma, I started using pickleball examples in my speech. Uh -huh which he was overjoyed and gave me my very first high-end paddle complimentary. Since right. then, I am a fanatic about Gamma. Right. right. So you're, you're, you're excited about being part of the Gamma community. It's not just about the products. You but are I'll, tell probably... you, I'll tell you what's interesting about that, right? I'm freely admitting on a national podcast that I'm a Gamma person, but Gamma, if you're listening, you're not doing such a good job of selling me, right? I had to see that there was a new Gamma backpack that someone else had. And I should have been alerted by Gamma because if I'm a fanatic, I got to have that backpack, right? And it's a really great example because 
pickleball accessories are exactly the kind of thing that you can cross sell and upsell. Yeah, I bought the paddle. Now I need the bag. Now I need new grip tape. What? You have a shirt with a Gamma logo on it? Send it over, right? But they're not doing a good job of like really leaning into me as a Gamma fanatic. Now, how do they know I'm a Gamma fanatic? I've already bought something. I go to their website. Obviously, some of those marketing automation tools that we referred to earlier are not kicking in or they would know my behavior and start to cross sell me. So Gamma, get on the program. I got some money I want to spend on Pickleball. Yeah, I'll 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 tell you who does a good job in the pickleball market is Selkirk. They are Selkirk TV. I'm watching their videos. You know, I recently gave one of my paddles to uh, paddles to one of my son. I bought a new paddle. I I bought a Selkirk paddle because I do feel like I'm part of their community, and I do think they're doing a good job um, making their customers feel special and 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 part of a pretty big uh, sports revolution you know and they they are uh, making a concerted effort to be part of that as opposed to some others that i think to your point just trying to sell some sell some stuff so yeah i mean think about like the passion that people have with this specific sport it should be easy for them to generate revenue just by leaning into that passion so um uh, when this episode is done and recorded i'll send it over to gamma uh -huh. i do think other companies can learn a lot from and i, I mentioned this particular sports example because no matter what you buy, you feel a certain affinity to the community, right? Like we bought HubSpot we, we, long before we were a partner, and they did an excellent job establishing a community, even back in 2008 or 2009, when the company was started, you know, it was all about inbound. It wasn't about the software. They built a community of, of, of fanatical users. Uh, you really could go down any list in any industry and, and feel the same way. Like people want to be attached to their brands. And they want to feel like they're part of the community. Even B2B brands can, can build a community and make you feel part of it so that you are loyal and refer and, and continue to come back over and over and over again. So don't underestimate this customer service technology piece and the idea of, of, of community for your brand and, and your customers. It's huge. Yeah, a good example, by the way, is REI, the outdoors store. They do a wonderful job of welcoming into the community because their whole thing is that they're a co-op, right? And we're all in this together to like, you know, support our company and enjoy the outdoors. They are cross-selling and upselling me like, like, I don't have enough money to spend on the stuff they're sending me. I want it all. And they've really engaged. And it's a multi-channel approach that we talked about in our campaigns last week. They are all over my social. They are sending me emails. The stores are uh, convenient and accessible and a really amazing experience. I was literally in both Denver and Seattle on speaking gigs. And I sought out their two superstores in there because I, I'm just a fan of their brand. And they know me, they don't know me specifically, but they know people like me. And they're giving me all that information by this, by that. Did you know that you could save five ounces if you buy this 10? I'm like, five ounces, I want that. That's the exact thing that you should have. B2B, B2C, B2G. The people want to join in a community of like-minded folks. 100%. All right, before we wrap up, let's cover one more thing. And that is data. So uh, we've we've kind of like talked around data in a couple of previous episodes, this concept of first party data versus third party data. And just to remind you, first party data is data you collect yourself from people who opt in to, to be part of your community or, or get your information. And then third party data is the data that you're buying from people where they have not opted in, but they have somehow collected this database of information. You're purchasing it. Um, not to get too far off the track, but there is second party data 
which is a little in between first and, and third party and generally not, not as relevant as first and third party, it just doesn't come up as much. So um, you really need to lean into first party data today. Uh, we're seeing a lot of people having trouble with third party data, which means you have to really look at your data in a different way. A lot of people look at data as this kind of like means to an end. And I'm gonna encourage you today to look at data as your most important corporate asset. If your prospect and customer database is not accurate, if it is not organized, if it is not current, and if that data is not regularly cleaned, you're gonna have a lot of trouble doing the kind of things we've been talking about, right? And I don't want anyone to feel like the B2C conversation we just had is not relevant to their B2B business because it is. You know, Eric's REI example is just as relevant to any B2B company that we might be working with. You have to know your customers intimately at a one-to-one -one level. And the only way you're ever gonna do that is to have really good data on Eric, on Mike, on every single one of your customers and prospects. The more data you have on them that you've collected yourself, the better your marketing is gonna be. The more they're gonna convert, the more they're gonna buy from you, the faster they're gonna turn from a prospect into a sale, the easier it's gonna be for your sales reps to close a deal. The shorter your sales cycle is gonna be, I could go on and on and on. And unfortunately, a lot of companies come to us thinking their data is okay. We find out their data is actually a pretty big hot mess. And those are generally very expensive projects to clean them up. And then they have to keep them clean going forward. So you know, my advice around this data, because it's directly related to technology, is you should have a clear picture on where your data is. How clean is it? How accurate is it? How segmented is it? And you should have a set of projects that you're working on to segment it as, as narrowly as possible and to clean it as best you possibly can and to make sure it stays clean and accurate over time. Uh, having worked at Dun & Bradstreet for four or five years at the beginning of my career, they used to tell us that data degrades like 10% a month. So if you think about your data, one out of 10 records is getting old every single month. Pretty quickly, you can end up with a database that is almost unusable if you're not keeping it clean, if you're not refreshing the information, if you're not working with the sales team to keep the information accurate, if you're not bringing in uh, out tools to clean and refresh the data itself, you're going you're gonna to run into a lot of marketing and sales problems that will make your, your effort even more complex than we've been telling you it is. A lot of people want to run account-based marketing campaigns. The very first question we ask is, how good is your data? Because if we're sending things to people and the data is bad, or we're reaching out to people and the data is bad, if we're trying to reference multiple people at a company that we're trying to get into and the information is wrong, your campaign is dead on arrival. You know, if I'm referencing to Eric, like, oh, I know your CEO's name is John. And he's like, John, John hasn't worked here for three years. Like, I just look silly. And the campaign is going to be very ineffective. So uh, there's really nothing across all of the things we've been talking about today that data doesn't have some kind of impact on. And my ask of all of you today who, who listen and watch the show is take a hard look at your data and invest some money in, in getting that data into a position where you're feeling really good about it, as opposed to keeping your fingers crossed and hoping that email campaign doesn't produce too big a, a bounce rate or, or uh, hopefully no spam reports. But even the bounce rate 
the undeliverable rate, the hard and soft undeliverables are really good indicators as to how good your data is. Uh, if you can't segment it by industry, by role out of the gate, then it's not in a position to really run effective marketing campaigns. And that's not even getting into some of the advanced segmentation stuff that we could probably talk about that you eventually will want to get into, like, like segmenting it by issue or challenge. What a wonderful way to reach out to people at all of the same problem with a nice piece of content and, and positioning your solution around that particular problem. How nice would it be to talk to everyone with the same role and give them a role-based offer yet that is very specific to them or even role by industry? There's so many things you need to do from a, a campaign and a marketing and sales execution perspective that if you have bad data, you're just never gonna be able to get programs like that off the ground. And you're always gonna wonder why you know marketing and sales are struggling to produce revenue. Anything you want to add to that? Gosh, I wish people would take data seriously. It's an asset to your company to have an excellent database, but people downplay it. And, you know, uh, getting people to rally behind understanding why it's important to have clean data and entering the data and taking the extra time to add notes and whatever is important, right? So that everybody's on the same page is huge. I, I wish people uh, would uh, take it a little bit more um, uh I'm going to say seriously, but valuably when they're looking at some of their marketing and sales activities. Yeah, they really need to allocate a certain amount of budget and time towards getting that database cleaned up and, and ready to go. And that should be part of your, your budgeting process and your planning process and you know how you're thinking about your go-to-market. Awesome. Good talk today. Um, episode eight of next uh, that uh, will drop next week. So we've been covering the six four components or six elements of a revenue generation system. Technology was the fifth. We're going to talk next show about resources, which is the last, which is interesting because then the show will pivot a little bit into some other areas of uh, the revenue generation system that are equally important. But we wanted to cover these six areas, process, uh, strategy, tactics, campaigns, technology, and our show next week will be around resources because each of those have to be present in your revenue generation system if you want to do anything close to what you're expecting from a revenue perspective. If even one of these is weak or missing or unattended to, you're going to struggle. And I think uh, helping everybody understand what's included in these six areas and understanding how important these six are that they all kind of fire simultaneously and all work together, so important to having a revenue generation system that actually produces results. And uh, our goal, uh, Eric and my goal, is to help you put a revenue generation system in your business that actually produces results. So next week, resources. Thanks, to everybody, for joining. It's been a pleasure. Just to remind everybody, you can check out the show on YouTube. Go to the Square Two Marketing channel. Like us. Subscribe. Leave us comments. Every single one of the episodes from season one and the new season two episodes are posted there every Thursday morning. You can also get the show on Square Two's streaming service, free streaming service, square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. Square2plus is a Netflix-style streaming service with all of our audio and video content. You can subscribe to it, and every time we post something new, you'll get notifications of it. And you can also get content there for CROs, CEOs, CMOs, even technology people. There's a HubSpot channel. There's a channel for this particular show. There's a channel for our old podcast, Smash the Funnel. Uh, all of our audio video content gets posted there for your entertainment and education pleasure. If you really love the show, What's Wrong With Revenue, check it out at the foot uh, in the footer of the square2marketing.com website, What's Wrong With Revenue. There's a link. Click on it. 
Uh, you'll get the latest shows uh, posted right there. You can subscribe to the show and we'll email you the show right to your inbox on Thursdays. And you can also post questions, which Eric and I will probably get to some questions next week as we wrap up the six core pieces of the revenue generation system. Um, so if you have any questions, post them there. We'll pick them up and we'll handle them next show. Thanks everybody for joining us and have a great day. Later.